Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Michelle Rutter, and I'm the Government Relations Manager for NCIA. I'm joined by NCIA's Director of Government Relations, Michael Correa. Hi, Mike. Hey, Michelle. This is now our third podcast coming from the NCIA DC office, and we're happy to have you with us. If you aren't familiar with NCIA or want to learn more about exactly what Mike and I do, please visit our website at www.thecannabisindustry.org. Our main focus is usually on Congress and other federal officials, but both of us are still residents of Washington, D.C., which is not a state. Uh, the Congress, the Constitution grants Congress exclusive jurisdiction over D.C. in all cases whatsoever, which is complicated cannabis laws in the city. Uh, just on a personal note, I first moved uh, to D.C. in 1997 and have seen it change over the years. I've always felt that Congress has used D.C for whatever social experiment they wanted to try at the time, whether it be guns or abortion, and now it seems to be cannabis. And uh, today on our show, we have probably the most ardent cannabis supporter on the D.C. City Council, Councilmember David Grosso. We're also joined by cannabis lawyer Jason Klein, who recently joined a firm named Offit Kerman, located in the Mid-Atlantic region. Councilmember Grosso, Jason, thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. Happy to be here as well. So I wanted to start with you, Councilmember Grasso. Can you tell us a little background information on yourself and how you came to be such a vocal supporter of cannabis reform on the city council? Sure. I um, was elected in 2012. Prior to that, I was a staffer on the city council and also up in Congress for Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton who's our local representative, non-voting delegate in the Congress. I, um, when I first was elected, uh, we were trying to dig into different issues, and one of the things that I was very interested in was criminal justice reform more generally. Um, I read a few books on the issue and started studying it with more intent and realized um, that there was a serious injustice happening. Um, I kind of felt it throughout my whole life, uh, kind of see it on the fringes with the war on drugs being such a failure, but... Uh, as a leader in the city, I felt an obligation to step up and try to do something about it. So um, my staff and I began to research what we could do, and then the reports came out uh, studying the impact of the war on drugs in D.C., uh, and it was a disproportionate impact on African Americans. At the time, the ACLU and the Washington Lawyers Committee came out with reports that showed that 91% of everyone arrested in the District of Columbia were African Americans, even though it was pretty much a 50-50 uh, when you ask who actually um, consumed marijuana. And so this was a real injustice. So my staff and I wrote three bills uh, and introduced them in the fall of 2013. And one of them was to tax and regulate marijuana. The other was to uh, seal the records of anybody who had previously been convicted or arrested for marijuana. 
nonviolent offenses, and then the third was uh, something else that had to do with criminal justice reform and shackling of minors. So anyway, that's how I first got started on this, and it's, it's been a pretty long battle at this point. We've had a lot of changes in D.C., as you all know. Initiative 71 passed. Prior to that, the decriminalization law passed. Uh, but one thing we know for sure is that you still can't buy and sell it in D.C. without risking arrest. Um, and that's something that I'm still trying to solve. Um, and, in fact, I introduced a tax and regulate bill again this past uh, month to try to continue to move the ball forward here in D.C. Yeah, you've definitely been active on the issue, and we're definitely going to talk about all of that in a little while. But before we get to that, Jason, I wanted to ask you a few things. So you've had your own legal practice for years, and you originally joined NCIA way back in 2011. So you're a real pioneer here. Uh, You recently joined Offit Kerman, which is a law firm in the Mid-Atlantic region that has decided to get involved in the cannabis space. Uh, Can you tell us and our listeners some about your firm, the firm and your role there, as well as your history practicing cannabis law? Yeah, certainly. So uh, I've been uh, practicing law in the District of Columbia since 2009. And uh, when the D.C. medical marijuana uh, program was initially launching in 2011, I had come to meet a few uh, business people who were interested in applying for the licenses. And uh, it turns out, all the way back in 2011, that there were there was nobody out there as far as legal counsel who had any experience advising these kinds of businesses and the challenging questions that they come up against as they plan for their business. Uh, I, uh, you identified, I, I did, I was the first um, NCIA member east of the Mississippi, I believe, uh, right when NCIA was starting out all the way back in 2011. I took a several trips out west and um, began learning about the industry, which I just found to be absolutely fascinating and uh, determined right there and then that the businesses, investors, patients, anybody who's associated with the medical marijuana program whatsoever is in need of uh, good legal advice uh, that uh, has some expertise and understanding about how the law works in this complicated area. Uh, so I shifted my practice to uh, to be advising those businesses, and I've been in that practice area ever since, all the way through the advancement of the D.C. medical marijuana program, as well as uh, having the opportunity to work in numerous other states, uh, mostly throughout the East Coast of the, of the United States. And now at this point, uh, I've joined the Cannabis Practice Group of Offit Kerman. Uh, we have three full-time lawyers in our practice group, as well as at least a half dozen more lawyers in the firm who are working with the practice group and advising uh, businesses, ancillary businesses and direct, as well as investors, uh, patients, and all sorts of issues that they come up against. It is uh, really great having both of you on uh, today's show. Councilmember Grasso, can you tell our listeners about the complicated relationship that D.C. has with Congress and the role that congressional interference has played in our own cannabis laws here? According to Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, the District of Columbia was formally set up as a federal city um, that did not have voting rights in Congress. And for many, many, many years, uh, we didn't even have a vote for president, and we also did not have um, local rule. They had appointed three commissioners that would run our city. In the early 1970s, we got home rule through the work of a lot of great advocates and activists, and now we have our own local government. We have a legislative branch and an executive branch with a mayor and uh, 13 council members. The 
fact of the matter is, though, that Congress, uh, on a whim, uh, can uh, basically exert its constitutional authority over us and uh, pass laws or uh, put riders on our budgets that make it Im- impossible for us to do certain things from a legal standpoint. So you mentioned in the opening we have had battles over abortion issues, we've had battles over guns, and the most famous one and the one that had the most negative impact at this point was the needle exchange program. Uh, Congress, uh, led by the current vice president uh, when he was in Congress, banned the District of Columbia from spending its local dollars or any federal health care dollars on needle exchange programs in the district. Needle exchange programs are an attempt to make sure that people use clean needles uh, when they are doing drugs so that they don't spread hep C or HIV. Um, uh, many years later, after they uh, lifted this ban, we've been able to study it and notice that there's been an 85% drop in transmission of HIV in D.C. for needle exchange for drug users. So this was a deadly, deadly rider. Now, other ones that have been around for a long time are the marijuana one. The medical marijuana was the first one. They said we were not allowed to create a medical marijuana program in D.C. after it passed on referendum here in the city. Um, And for 10-plus years, we were not allowed to do it. They finally lifted that one, and now you see we have a medical marijuana program here that is uh, continuing to expand and grow. And then there's the bill that I tried to move forward that they have put a rider, Andy Harris's rider, on our, our budget saying that we're not allowed to implement or move that bill at all. It is something that they can do until we have full statehood rights here, uh, including two senators and a voting member of Congress we, you know, of the House. We, we're going to be um, fighting this battle and, and continue to do so. Well, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by D.C. Council Member David Grasso and cannabis lawyer Jason Klein. So don't go away. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. 
Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back from the break, and thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. If you're just tuning in, I'm Michelle Rutter, and we're here with D.C. Council Member David Grosso and Cannabis Lawyer Jason Klein. So, Council Member Grosso, you sort of touched on this a little bit before we took our break, uh, but I wanted to take a step back and talk a little bit about Initiative 59, which passed back in D.C. in 1998 and legalized medical cannabis here. But as you mentioned, it wasn't implemented until 2013 due to congressional interference. Now the program has been up and running for a few years, and the D.C. City Council recently passed new medical cannabis regulations in the Medical Marijuana Omnibus Amendment Act of 2016. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what the big changes are under that law? Sure. The, the new law, what we've basically done is back when we were first able to do the medical marijuana program, we did a very restrictive law. So it, you had to have certain medical conditions. You had to be a certain medical professional to recommend marijuana. Uh, there was limits on number of plants you could grow in a particular cultivation center. All these restrictions on it, and I think at the time, the council was worried about more congressional interference, so they wanted to take a kind of a slow walk of this program. Uh, since then, we've noticed that they're not going to be kind of stopping us from doing these things, so we've been expanding it. And the bill that you mentioned, um, along with a few other bills, do things like increase, uh, make it so that it's between you and your doctor, essentially. So there are no conditions um, at all that you have to uh, apply with. It also expands the medical professionals that can refer uh, marijuana for medical services. Um, it allows for more plants in the cultivation centers. Um, we, and then there's one that I'm particularly proud of that the council passed late last year, which takes away the prohibition of somebody who has been previously arrested or spent time in jail for um, marijuana from being allowed to work in the cultivation centers or the, or the distribution centers. And so... Um, this is a big step forward because I think, you know, as we undo the harm the war on drugs caused people, we need to make sure that the benefits reach to the communities that were most negatively impacted. And uh, by having work prohibition simply because somebody is a felon, you know, that was totally out of the war on drugs, uh, maybe for distribution of marijuana or whatever, uh, defeats the purpose of undoing all these things. So I'm, I'm particularly proud of that one. And one of the biggest problems of congressional interference is we're sort of there's this gray area that's going on with Washington DC it's sort of legal quasi legal but there's no ability for industry to develop and Jason I just want to know your uh, thoughts and how you've navigated and what you've seen uh, and how you sort of navigated this gray area sure so it, it is a very complicated um, area and very difficult for people to understand what is what the law is in Washington D.C. with regard to uh, what we call adult use or recreational um, cannabis and and what came out of Ballot Initiative 71. Ballot Initiative 71 was uh, is the law of the land, um, but as you rightly identified, there are no uh, there's no regulatory system 
to allow for retail sales of uh, marijuana in the district. So uh, it's it's a very confusing situation. Uh, I'm aware of a n- number of um, entrepreneurs, so to speak, of people who have uh, um, are trying to take advantage of this gray market, uh, which it is of questionable legality. Uh, there is uh, a, a number of issues that these operations may face. There have been some uh, criminal uh, situations that have arisen out of that. There are certainly uh, some businesses that are taking advantage of the situation and the lack of uh, clarity on the situation. Uh, so the bottom line is for um, for for people who are looking for a secure business operating environment, ballot initiative 71 in the District of Columbia, at least as it relates to retail cannabis, is not that. Uh, and um, and it may be the case that, that, that there will be some changes, of course, with Councilmember Grasso's uh, bill or other changes that could come. Uh, but as of right now, it's a very much a gray market. So that's a great segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which is about the legalization bill that Councilmember Grosso recently introduced. So as Jason mentioned, back in 2014, D.C. voters passed Initiative 71, which did legalize adult-use cannabis here in D.C., but Congress also blocked the implementation of it. Um, so Councilmember Grosso, you recently introduced the Marijuana Legalization and Regulation Act of 2017. Can you tell us some about the bill, what it does, and where it's at in terms of of passage right now. Interestingly, I you know I introduced this bill. It's almost the same bill that I've introduced now for the third time here in D.C. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the first time I introduced it was in September of 2013, and I introduced it all by myself. None of my colleagues would join me on it. Uh, it was a different time period. I then introduced it in January of 2015, and nearly every one of my colleagues joined on. Uh, this was the height of when we were. Uh, hoping that we could move forward with a regulatory framework in D.C. It was right after Initiative 71 went through. Um, and then Congress stepped in, sent letters, said we couldn't move on this bill. It languished for two years. I introduced it again in January of 17, and again, I was only one of two people that would sign on to it. So um, what we what we would do in this legislation is fairly straightforward. It would adopt the regulatory framework from two industries, one is from the alcohol industry here in D.C., and the other is from any kind of smoking regulation. So um, you would uh, basically see retail stores uh, that could uh, open up uh, to sell marijuana products, um, just like you do now for beer and wine and, and other alcohol. So um, the, there are some restrictions on it. There would be you know, 21 and older, very similar. You would have driving under the influence laws that would be passed, it would be very pretty restrictive. And, and um, it would also allow for more regulations to be developed by the agency that would be in charge, which at this point would be the ABRA agency, which is the Alcohol Beverage Regulatory Administration. And they could do regulations, for example, where you have restaurants um, that are able to you know, serve it. Uh, they could uh, license outdoor events. They could do other things that they do currently with alcohol. So uh, I, I would foresee this to be a bill that would actually give more certainty. You know, I think that's one of the things we're talking about is uh, this gray area that we currently exist. If you have marijuana, you can carry it around. You you can't sell it to somebody, but you can give it to them. 
Um, and right, you know, you should be able to walk into a store and, and purchase marijuana legally, like they do in in Washington State and, and in Colorado and, and soon to be other jurisdictions. And is Congress all right with that? Are they going to allow us to implement that sort of legislation, or do you f- foresee them standing in the way of that? My anticipation is that uh, Andy Harris from Maryland will continue to place the rider on our budget. And here's the challenge in D.C. It's a little nuanced, but the, the challenge is that when they do a standalone bill that impacts the District of Columbia, we can usually stop it in the Senate. We can keep the, the bill from moving forward. When they do a rider on our budget, our budget is part of the overall national budget. And so this provision is harder to stop because so many members of Congress have their priorities being addressed in that bigger bill. And so this rider then can go through. My guess is Andy Harris will do this. My guess if it was a standalone bill, it would never pass in Congress. I just think that we've evolved to a different point now where we wouldn't have that happen. But because it's a rider and because it's uniquely District of Columbia issue, you would, I think, see this go forward again. He, he actually broadened the, the provision last year and said all Schedule I uh, bill, um, drugs, so you couldn't actually legalize any of them uh, or regulate any of them, even though I think there's a good argument for doing it on a broader sense than just marijuana. And have you heard from our mayor about this, and is she supportive of the bill? I have spoken to Mayor Bowser about this, and... You know, I, I think she would love to see a way forward. She definitely supports the legislation. She, along with a bunch of my other colleagues, as well as the current fiscal officer, the chief financial officer, are very nervous about violating uh, federal law. And basically the law that they refer to is the Anti-Deficiency Act. Um, you know, I've pointed out to them in both letters as well as in person that that's never, ever, ever been enforced in the history of our country uh, and I think it would be a fantastic, uh, you know, protest if you were to um, violate the Anti-Deficiency Act and have Congress come and arrest the members of the council for actually acting in accordance with the will of the people to regulate marijuana. And and the issue is not so important as much as the fact that the image of legislators in the United States who are trying to act under democracy going to jail for doing what they think is the right thing to do. Yeah, I've always thought that it would be great if D.C. stood up to Congress, but I know Congress has so many purse strings that they hold over D.C. It's really hard because I know D.C. would be vindictive and try to uh, punish the city on other ways. I just wanted to ask Jason, uh, what kind of business, potential business opportunities and economic growth uh, are there for D.C. with the legal and regulated cannabis industry? Well, uh, certainly there will be more opportunities and opportunities for growth of the existing medical marijuana uh, (coughs) licensees and operators within the the expanded bill, (coughs) excuse me, within the expanded bill that was uh, passed in December on the medical program. And certainly if the uh, new regulatory adult use of marijuana legalization regulation act of 2017, the council member Grasso has been talking about if that were to uh, become the law of the land, there will be even more opportunities. Uh, As uh, regulations set up that we've seen in other states, uh, we found that the states that have the more tightly regulated programs tend to be more business friendly, even if uh, what what businesses are looking for is certainty. They're not necessarily looking for freedom to do anything they want. 
businesses uh, like to be certain what the boundaries are of, uh, you know, what their uh, business is. And so the, the types of certainty that come with uh, the expanded Medical Marijuana Act as well as the adult use uh, proposal uh, would be favorable to business because it, it gives everybody uh, more certainty about what and where they can do it. Thanks for that, Jason. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by D.C. Council Member David Grosso and Cannabis Lawyer Jason Klein. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Boober vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Boober Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Boober way. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the newest and greatest podcast in the galaxy, The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, your insider industry connection to accurate and entertaining information about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. Rolling joints and dropping knowledge about cannabis technology, production, cultivation, and everything in between. The future of legal cannabis has arrived, and we want to give you The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Baker. Look for new episodes at CannabisRadio.com, TheRealDirt.com, or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and... Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends, identify and compare your top products and categories, and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing, so are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Get informed. Get inspired and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back from the break, and thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. If you're just tuning in, I'm Michelle Rutter, and we're here with D.C. Council Member David Grosso and Cannabis Lawyer Jason Klein. Council Member Grosso, I want to talk a little bit more about Congress do you have any predictions on how cannabis law in D.C. will progress with a Republican-controlled Congress that had a, that has a desire to assert authority over D.C. for arguably the first time since home rule was established? And is this another reason to be pushing for D.C. statehood? I think that this is a good reason to continue to push for D.C. statehood. And I think Congress will 
um, continue to exert itself in this manner against the District of Columbia unless we uh, stand up and do something about it. And, and I have to say, uh, there are ways that we can move forward and not be in full violation of the law. Uh, one of the ways we do that is to spend some money out of our reserve accounts that were previously appropriated, and so then we wouldn't be in direct violation of the budget rider. Um, this is something that I'm in constant discussion with, with the mayor, as well as with other activists in the city. So we're, we're looking at ways to do this still. And then I think what will happen is eventually somebody up in Congress will hopefully have a clear mind and be able to say, leave them alone. The rest of the country is moving in this direction. The war on drugs was a failure. We need to allow the District of Columbia and the people of the District of Columbia to do what's best in that town and to tax and regulate marijuana and, and give some certainty in this marketplace makes the most sense. One thing um, everyone uh, remembers is the fact that in November, Donald Trump won the uh, electoral college vote. And in, I think, Washington, D.C., I think he only got 4% of the population. So he's definitely not a lot of fans in the city. But I just wanted to hear, uh, Council Member, your thoughts uh, and he appointed or he nominated Jeff Sessions to be attorney general. What are your thoughts on the Trump election and the nomination of uh, attorney general Sessions as far as, you know, D.C. is concerned or cannabis is concerned? It's an interesting question that, you know, this, this guy that's coming into power now and the crazy things that he's already done for the past two weeks you know, one example around marijuana, around all drug policies, is that the Obama administration had taken a hands-off approach in enforcing federal drug policies against the states in this country that have legalized or decriminalized marijuana. Um, but then you have Jeff Sessions coming in who said that uh, the only problem we ever had with the KKK was that they were pot smokers. So, you know, this makes me incredibly nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about us becoming... Um, uh, a petri dish of sorts here in the District of Columbia, again, for failed policies that have not worked historically, but for some reason, uh, these types of politicians, these uh, far-right, uh, almost irrational Republicans, uh, continue to think are good policies to put forward in the District of Columbia. We have the voucher school program that's been a failure for 15 years that they continue to push. Uh, you know, we have a ban on reproductive health policies that have made a huge difference in everyone's life in the District of Columbia. I already mentioned the needle exchange. And now with marijuana, you know, the medical marijuana program, as you all noted, could have been implemented 15 years ago. Uh, but, but for the social agenda of some member of Congress that has no connection whatsoever to the District of Columbia other than the fact that perhaps they live in the area while they're here. Um, and uh, can't be held accountable for their vote because we can't even vote them out of office if we don't like what they're saying. Uh, so I'm worried about it. I'm worried about what Trump will do. I am putting my my hope, if there's any left at this point in time, into the hands of the Senate. I, I really believe that the senators need to step up. I think a good test on their uh, medal will be these nominations on Sessions, on Davos, on others, and see if they can just put a pause. You know, the balance of powers is that important. And then my other hope is in the courts, in the in the in the lawyers. We have to give as much donation as we can to the lawyers, to all the groups that are protecting civil and human rights, and hope that they can stand up to this administration. Well, on that point, um, how can people get involved? I mean, are there – what do you recommend some of the citizens 
uh, of Washington, D.C. do or just some of our listeners, what some of the things they can do to get involved to help our cause and the cannabis cause? Well, the one thing we can do, if you're listening to this podcast and you have a voting member of Congress, it would be great if you would call those representatives, call your senators, tell them to leave the District of Columbia alone. And, and if, they, if they're willing to support the District of Columbia and what we're trying to do, in particular, I'm asking people to call uh, Representative Justin Amash, A-M-A-S-H, of Michigan, and he is on our local approach committee. And I'm asking folks to call him. His number is 202-225-3831 and tell him to uh, keep his hands off the District of Columbia's laws. And then I think the other thing we can do is um, if you have an extra 10 bucks, donate it to uh, the ACLU, donate it to the D.C. Abortion Fund, to Planned Parenthood, to groups that are out there making a difference in people's lives and protecting their human and civil rights. That's great advice. Thank you. And thank you both so much for coming on today. We had D.C. Council member David Grosso and Offit Kerman's newest cannabis lawyer, Jason Klein. Thank you again. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So before we go, I want to make sure you all mark your calendars for NCIA's 7th Annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days happening on May 16th and 17th in Washington, D.C. Lobby Days allows NCIA members from across the country to descend on Capitol Hill to tell their stories and urge their representatives to fix the unfair tax and banking policies crippling our industry. Plus, you'll get to meet Mike and I. This year, Lobby Days will occur the same week as Marijuana Business Daily Spring Event in National Harbor, Maryland. So when you register for Lobby Days, we'll give you $100 off their registration. In addition, if you register before April 30th, we'll enter you into a raffle to win two tickets to NCIA's fourth annual Cannabis Business Summit in Oakland, California. We look forward to seeing you there, and thanks again for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.